that with a good number of special services and such that we just hold off. But I want to get back to this. 1 Corinthians 12. And I, I want to talk about one aspect of spiritual gifts. We will be getting into what we would call the mechanics of the operation of spiritual gifts. Aren't you glad you can have fun? <laughs> My mother told me, she said, Son, you are a good preacher and a sensible man, but you'd have a lot bigger following if you'd stop all that carrying on. <laughs> she was dead serious with me. <laughs> When I was down recently, she was just as sick as she could be, and I was singing a song. <clears throat> and uh, it was one that somebody had changed the words to or something. It was was actually a song that, that I heard on WNWC. But she didn't believe me when I told her I heard it on WNWC. She said, you did not hear that on the radio. I said, yes, I did. She looked at me just as sober as a Kentucky judge, and she said, son... I wish you wouldn't sing that. That bothers me when you sing that song. <clears throat> so it started bothering me too because I knew it bothered her. <clears throat> First Corinthians 12, if you'd stand, please. <clears throat> now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> now it doesn't mean that if you can say Jesus is Lord, that uh, you're full of the Holy Ghost. That's not what that scripture is saying. We'll get around to to that. Jesus said, not every man that saith, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifest manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh, that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, in chapter 13, <clears throat> what I want to do <clears throat> is read the last verse of this. And now about it, faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Verse Chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity. Now, charity in the King James Version is taken from the Greek word agape, which is the ultimate in love. It is the love that God has shown for us by laying his life down for us. 
follow after love or charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God, for no man can understand him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, I want you to notice verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto man to edification and to exhortation and to comfort. Now, verse 4, And he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. And you may be seated. And what I want to talk about tonight is edification, just taken from the word edify. Uh, the, the, the purpose of spiritual gifts and like I say, now we will get into the operation of this. The last time that I addressed this subject, I talked about the various ways which God speaks to us. Uh, well, I do understand that the spiritual gifts that are spoken of here, that not all of these spiritual gifts is a direct communication from God to the church, such as the gift of faith or the gift of miracles. Uh, tongues and interpretation, yes. Prophecy, yes. A word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Uh, discerning of spirits, these would uh, more likely be in the category of God communicating to man. God has many ways in which he communicates. I talked about dreams. How God does speak to people through dreams. I remember the last time I talked about this uh, that is, talking about dreams in, in the line of spiritual gifts. I, I relayed this message, and I'd forgotten. Uh, about a month ago when I started this, Rich Thomas came up and, and reminded me of a story that I told. I remember my dad. My dad was a great guy when it came to hunting. He liked guns. and He liked to trade. He took a pocket knife, a uh, jackknife we'd call it, and he kept trading this until he ended up with a, a high-powered rifle. What he did, he traded the, the, the jackknife for a rod and reel, and then he kept. Then after after a while, he had a he had a dog in there. He traded the rod and reel for a dog, and he traded the dog for a boat. And uh, he just liked to do that, you know. He just I don't know why. He ended up with a lot of things he never used, but nevertheless, he liked to do it. And so he ended up with this rifle. Well, he also traded around. He ended up with a, a twenty-two semi-automatic rifle, and and I happened to have a, a double-barrel Stephen shotgun, and he wanted that, and he knew I didn't use it much, and so he he called me, and asked me when he made the trip up here if I would trade the shotgun. For the 22 rifle that he had. And I, I agreed. I said, okay, I'll do that. Well, would you believe that uh, they were en route, but, but the Lord gave me a dream. And I, and I knew this was from the Lord. Uh, you know, how do you know it's from the Lord? I cannot tell you. You know, like people come to me and ask me about uh, 
spiritual gifts. How do I know? I can't tell you that. Nobody can tell you that. Uh, but nevertheless, I had this dream, and and I, I dreamed my dad took the gun, brought it in the house, took it out uh, of uh, uh, the the uh, carry. Uh, what's the name? The case. Okay. <clears throat> well, I am a case tonight. Took it out of the case, and I dreamed that what he did was that he took the gun, and I cautioned him. My dad was was very very safe and very. Uh, uh, safety conscious, you know, all the time. You don't point guns toward anything that you don't want a bullet to hit. Doesn't make any difference if it's a window or a mirror or whatever. You know, you just always put it to the floor. You know, at any rate, he took this out in my house. Now this is in a dream, and while I was cautioning him, the gun discharged, and the bullet went into my wife's body, and my wife died on the spot. Now, this this disturbed me, and it bothered me. The next day it bothered me. It wasn't like one of these silly little dreams you have. You know, sometimes you, you just have these. And and I, I said to myself, now, I, I think I need to take this serious. And I'm not a person to go around feeling that every time you hear something, it comes from God. I'm, not, I'm just not that type of person. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make in life is to always feel that every time you have some, you know, impression or something that it is from God. Uh, if you feel that God spoke to you, that's that's fine. But on the other hand, if you don't, you, you're, you're better off. But the reason why is because, you see, when I stand behind the pulpit and I say that God told me, what what I do, I remove all margin of error from that from, from my statement. Because God is immutable. He's infallible. You know, He doesn't change. And he doesn't make mistakes. When I say God said it, people then, they, they perk up. Because if God said it, whatever this pastor is going to say right now, it's got to be 100% accurate. Now, I've, I've even cautioned ministers. I said, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to somewhere learn down the road that you can't hide behind that statement. You're better off to say, I think God said, or why not just say, I feel. You know, it may not carry as much weight, but I'll assure you if you're wrong, the consequences are not nearly severely. You know? <clears throat> so you're better off just say, I, I believe. There are times in which you need to properly represent God by saying, God spoke to me. Well, this was one of those cases in which I just, I knew. I, I don't know how I knew. I just knew. And it bothered me. So when my dad arrived, they came on in the house and such, and after a while, he said, oh, I brought that gun. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, you have yours in a case, and I'll just bring the gun outside, and I'll, I'll, I'll change guns with you. I wanted to do it outside. I wanted to create a different setting. And would you believe my dad took that gun out of the case, and while he was turning that gun over, that gun discharged and went right by me, that bullet did, and, and, and went into an oak tree there. And my dad was so shocked, he said, Son, 
how did this gun get loaded? He said, I never make a mistake like this. I knew. I just knew. How did I know? I don't know how I knew, but I knew this was from God. Well, I didn't tell my dad. Dad, I had a bad dream about this, and I dreamed you came up here and shot my wife. And, you know, I, I didn't dream that. You know, I, he was feeling bad enough. And because it was a semi-automatic, I said, let's check it make sure it doesn't have any more uh, shells in it. It had no more. Just the one. I took the gun then. And then he put the, the, the shotgun in the case and put it back in his car. And, and, and I took the gun in the house and put it in its proper place. So here's a situation which I know that God spoke to me. I know that. And, and I knew when I had the dream that it was that, that it was God. And I've had several dreams and they've come true just like the Lord said. Now that's only one way, however, in which God speaks to you. The confusing thing about dreams is that sometimes you don't know if it's God or not, and especially people who are who uh, are new in the faith. Now I even tell people who are new in the faith, when it comes to spiritual gifts, you know, God will use you if you're less than perfect. But you've got to understand when you represent God, people do expect a certain amount of uh, respectability and uh, a maturity in your walk. And when you start saying, thus saith the Lord, uh, people are going to watch you a little closer. <clears throat> I'm not saying they should, I'm saying they do. You follow what I'm saying. And, and, and so uh, we have to understand, however, that new ones in the church that are used of God, they don't always hit it right on. But sometimes mature people don't. You know, they don't. And I, I guess I just, I'm a, maybe I am penalized somewhat, even by God, by being a little bit careful in this area. But I certainly don't like to confuse people because, now you see, I'm talking about edification. I believe that everything is for the purpose of edifying. Now, God gives you visions. He gives you impressions. I guess the Lord, the most common way in which God speaks to individuals <clears throat> is through impressions. Uh, you, just, you just get this. See, the, the definition of grace, according to the Greek, it comes from two... Uh, I say two, it has two definitions come from one word. One is unmerited favor, the other is the divine leading of the heart. And that simply means that God puts his voice inwardly in you and directs you and leads you. And you've got to learn to follow that. And you may say, how, how can I know? Well, I think a person who's fresh out of the world and the devil's been talking to him and you know, truthfully, you can't, you, can't, you can't even give your heart to God without recognizing the voice of God and responding to it. You know, some things, some things come natural. And when they come natural, they're easier than when you 
put a lot of emphasis or when you concentrate a lot. Now, to just give you an example. If I held up a tape and I said, I want you to listen to this tape 12 times, and it has 12 songs on it. Now, if I didn't tell you what I was doing, if I came back and you had the tape in, you had one week, I said, you listen to this 12 times, you'd say, yes. I said, now, the first song's Amazing Grace. Can you tell me the second song? You'd say, well, I think it's the old rugged cross. You're right. What's the third song? Well, let's see. The third song is, uh, oh, I want to see him. No, I don't think that's it. I think it's, and you, you say, I don't think I know what it is. Now, but the thing about it is, if you put that record, if you put that tape on, you start playing that tape, the very moment, that the first song stops without thinking, you can start singing the second song. You do it without thinking. And you do it because that when you listen to things so much, it becomes a part of what we call the subconscious mind. And this is the way that impressions work on the individual. The inner voice of God starts speaking to man when he is born, or perhaps even before. And we can prove that scripturally. And, and so as a result, you hear that voice and you hear that voice, and then when some preacher preaches divine truth to you, you respond. And, and you don't give much thought to it when you respond. Later on you get thinking about, now was that really for real? Even people go back and say, did I really speak in tongues? Was that for real? I've had people question that. I think that's, that's, a, that's a question. The, the, the devil has found out that the keepers of truth feel that there's a valid point in asking, is this for real? Because we want to know what we're involved in is true. But the devil slips in takes a little bit of too much advantage of that. After a while, sometimes he kind of beats us down, and we'll come back in the house of God and say, I don't know about that. I, I know that speaking in tongues is in the Bible. I'm not really for sure that I did speak in tongues. Maybe I just heard somebody else speaking in tongues. And so you have a problem with it. Now, you have to settle that issue once and for all with the devil. Now, after that's been settled, you know there'll be another issue. There'll always be an issue. You never settle, thing once, settle things once and for all with the devil. It's always a new issue, something else, something else, something else. But <clears throat> you understand impressions. Now, I've had God to, to talk to me, you know, just give me impressions. It, when I say impressions, you know, God can speak to you orally, just like I am orally communicating with you. God could do this in the Bible. He spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Moses heard the literal oral voice of God. Uh, Saul heard the voice of God from the heavens and responded. But I will assure you that Saul was led by the Spirit and heard the voice of God, later on known Paul as Paul, many times. Uh, in fact, it, this, this was more commonplace than, than to hear the, the oral voice of God. I was down praying. And <clears throat> when I was down praying, I, I can take you to the very spot in the old church in which I was praying, and all of a sudden... 
I started praying for a sister that had shared a problem with me, and she spoke to me about receiving some legal counseling. Now, this lady was a very fine lady. She was an unmarried lady. But, uh, you know, her you would consider her to just be impeccable as far as character is concerned. But would you believe when I prayed for her, <coughs> it's, it, the, the Lord just gave me this impression, I've got to go talk with her. So I went and talked with her, and I said, listen, listen you're going to receive legal counsel, but I want you to know that God has spoken to me, and, and you're to watch yourself around this man, because this man will try his best to take advantage of you. She laughed about it. She said, well, <laughs> it's, I can tell you one thing, nothing's going to happen. And she, you know, she went on and on and on about this. And, and, and Brother Grant, are you sure? I said, listen, I know, I know. How do you know? Well, I don't know, but I just know. Did God orally speak to you? No, I didn't, I didn't literally hear the voice of God. But you see, I've been hearing His voice for many years, and I know what I'm talking about. So, uh, next week, uh, how's things going? Oh, fine. This is fine man. And she went through what everything that he had said and everything. And then she came in. She called me and said, i got to need to talk with you. She's crying. And she came over to the church. <clears throat> None of you would know who I'm talking about. This lady is, is still in the church, but she's not here in Madison. Many, many years ago, she moved from Madison. Fine Christian lady. But she came in and she was crying. She said, Brother Grant, I can't believe. And she told me, she said, you know, you know what happened? And I, I said, oh, she said, yes. She said, I, I am, I'm just, I should have listened to you. She said, I got real close to this man in four or five sessions and he wanted to come over the house and he came over the house and, uh, she said, I just got to tell you, I just fell into sin. And I, you know, she cried and she wept and she asked God to forgive her. And she understood the horrible mistake. Now, <clears throat> I forgave her. I am not God. But I felt I acted on the behalf of a, of a Christian fellowship. And so uh, she fasted and prayed and sought the Lord, and she felt so badly about all this, she felt she should move, and she did. So she left uh, Madison. And but but you see, here is a case where you know you you just I just knew. We had a lady praying for the Holy Ghost, and I was down praying for her. And I questioned her: Is everything all right between you and the Lord? Uh, she would not receive the. She could not receive the Holy Ghost. We prayed for her a long time. And would you believe I'd baptized her in Jesus' name? But when I prayed for her the next week, right where I was praying, I saw this woman in an adulterous situation with her neighbor. Now. <clears throat> now you have to understand that. If, if spiritual gifts, we're, we're, when we talk about impressions like this, we're talking about a word of knowledge, basically. Uh, <clears throat> that, that you have to be extremely discreet. You can't just go blow someone out of the saddle. If you, in other words, if you're wanting to get someone saved, you need to seek out the most productive means to see that accomplished. 
Now you make a big deal out of it and show everybody how spiritual spiritual you are by condemning and standing up and and tooting your horn real loud to let everybody know that God's spoken to you, but you won't save that person, see. So I pray, now Lord, inasmuch as I believe you've given me this impression, which is equivalent to a word of knowledge, I also believe that a word of wisdom should go with this. I need, wisdom is the ability to use knowledge. I need to be able to communicate this and let her know that I know it, and God has shown me for the sake of saving her. You follow what I'm saying? Now, see, God doesn't just show you everything. I mean, my, if you walk down the sidewalk and you could see every devil in Madison, you'd probably go berserk. You'd probably end up in a psych ward someplace. But you see that which is beneficial to you and to the body, and that which is helpful for the salvation of man. So, on Sunday morning, this lady didn't come to the altar. And I thought, this has got to be God. She knelt between the pews, on the, between the first two pews. So what I did was, I came down, after several people come to the altar, slipped in, she was praying alone, knelt down by her, and I said, I want to talk with you. I said, now, I asked you last week if there's anything in your life that was prohibiting you from receiving the Holy Ghost. And you told me that you had no knowledge of this. And I said, now, I prayed about it, and I have reason to believe that you were not telling me the truth. And I'm here to tell you that lady started weeping. I mean, crying, you, just sobbing. And I said, <clears throat> she said, you know all about this. I said, I saw you, and I saw you leave your house and go to your next door neighbor. And she said, oh, God, Brother Grant. Just like that. She said, this just happened yesterday. It's happened many times. But she said, would you believe that when I was there and I'd spent some time there with him, I fled from his house. And when I fled, I know that God told me, I want to save you and I have told your pastor what is going on. And I told this man that I was involved in, I shall never come back here. Because God has shown the pastor what I'm involved in. You know, she quickly repented of all that, and the Lord filled her with the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm I'm adding a lot of uh, uh, denims and and, and such to this particular message. Because I I want you to understand that we're we're talking about tonight about edification. You see... God can speak to you through preaching. He can speak to, to, to you through the Word. He can speak to you through prophecy. He can speak to you through tongues interpretation, through the witness and testimony of, of others. But uh, when we talk about to edify, basically we're saying the, the word edify uh, simply means that to, to, to lift up or to build up or to add to. To, 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 en, to enhance. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, when you look out, and we're pretty small here tonight because of the classes, but when you look out uh, across the congregation, Brother Seidel, you and I are viewing the congregation, of course they're viewing us, 
But we are, we are looking at some very valuable and precious people. People that Jesus died for. And you see, if it, if, if it was love that nailed Jesus on the cross, there is no way, there is absolutely no way in which spiritual gifts can be exercised for the purpose of edification without love, agape love, being the undergirding attitude and driving force behind spiritual gifts. Now, <clears throat> that is something that you really do need to understand. You, you have to understand this. Because every now and then, you know, there are some people, there are, there are some people that just, they just give me the woolies. You know, Brother Crowder started using that word. He got it from me some time ago because there are some people that, that you know, they, they almost appear to be a little spooky. They get so spiritual. You know, they, they want people to feel that they know everything about them. You know, one brother came up to me and I said, how are you? And he looked at me and says, you know how I am. I said, no, how are you? He said, you know how I am. You know. I tried to figure it out. I don't know if he, he was trying to be spiritual or he thought I was. But but somehow there was miscommunication there. And, and while I do believe in taking life seriously, for the most part, <clears throat> I like to have fun. You know, and, and, and some old Christian sorehead can walk in the building. I'm talking about people that, that are not, they're, they're just not people lovers. Now, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost, and, and you can be an old sorehead. I've seen some Christians, I believe, they could look at, at, at a jar of cucumbers and turn it to pickles. Just right like that. They could just do that. You know? And, and there's never an expression of caring. There's never an expression of love. You know, it, it, just, it just isn't there. And now, if that person is used in spiritual gifts, usually they miss the mark somewhat. And, and the reason why I say that is because it doesn't make any difference what you say. It's that, that undergirding attitude and the spirit of the prophet, so to speak, that makes the gift subject to the prophet. And we'll be covering some of that. And, and it is necessary that, uh, while I do understand that prophecy, verse 3, is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, exhortation is a much stronger word, isn't it? To exhort. You know, you can stand up here and rebuke people, and it fits in that category. But even when this is true, we must understand that chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is the love chapter of the Bible, is sandwiched in between chapter 12, which identifies spiritual gifts, and chapter 14, where regulations were put on them. And besides that, 
throughout 1 Corinthians 14, 14, there is this constant reminder that if you're going to if you're going to exhort, it should be with long suffering or with love. Isn't that necessary? Man, I've been in some really, you know, and I I, I really liked them. There's something you got to understand though. There's there's something that that that. There's just, there's just, there's some people that just, they really like for people to think that they're a spiritual giant. Well, there's only one thing wrong with that, is that when, when people look at you as some big spiritual giant, they, they carefully scrutinize almost everything you do. Now, I happen to serve right now as a superintendent of the state of Wisconsin, brother, Seidel is well aware of this. I tell all the men applying for license, you do your people a favor to let them know that you make mistakes and that you're human. Don't try to set yourself up as God. Because if you do that, I'll assure you, you will fail one of these days. And when you fail, the people will turn on you. And if you've tried to be Mr. Holier than thou, they won't have any mercy on you. <laughs> And usually it's the holier-than-thou people that come up with all these excuses. We had a man in our congregation, and, and he stood up and testified that God gave him a vision, and he was going to have a, a boy. And his wife was, indeed, with child. So I went and talked with him. I said, now, are you sure that the Lord said it was going to be a boy? He said, I'm positive. Well, it turned out it wasn't a boy. It was a girl. Now, he was one of the, these type that, you know, he was, he was more spiritual than the pastor. There's some people that way, you know. And, I mean, they can't help it, you know. Like Brother Sides said. They just, <clears throat> I'm just telling you what he said. And, but but he was that way. And whenever I confronted him, I said, see, I told you. You said God. He said, when God said it, that's the way it is. I said, but but here's the child. I mean, it's not a... You know what he said? He said, God has already promised me another child. And it's going to be a boy. Well, the second one was a girl. Well, you know what he did? He got so spiritual he wouldn't come to church after that. <clears throat> he told me, he said, you just don't get the point, Brother Grant. I said, I do get the point. I don't want you standing up and telling everybody that God told you you were going to have a son when you, I mean, what should I, well, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I thought God told me this, but I guess he didn't. What's so Got too much pride. He's not going to do it. No, no, no. Well, we were in Mark's big boy one night, and he got up on the table in there and started prophesying. Scared everybody to death, including myself. <clears throat> Somebody came over and asked me if I knew him. I said I thought I did. <laughs> I was really trying to somehow break the connection. I said I thought I knew him. <clears throat> 
But you know what I'm saying. I mean, boy, you're talking about. But today, this man's Christian experience is just, it, it's in havoc. It's shipwreck. He won't listen to anybody. He's right. He always will be right. Doesn't go to church much. I don't understand that. And it's all because that someone had the wrong motive. Now, I'm going to get involved in this, but when the Bible says discerning of spirits, let me tell you something. There are human spirits. We call those attitudes. And the truth of the matter is, if you look in Luke 9.55, when Jesus told Peter, you know not what spirit you are of, the word spirit there is taken from the same Greek word that that Holy Spirit's taken from. Even when an evil spirit is present, it's taken from the same word, the word spirit. And the truth of the matter is that you can be full of the Holy Ghost and yet have a bad attitude. I think discerning of spirits uh, enables church leaders especially, and, and parents especially, to pick up on bad attitudes of children. And bad attitudes of <laughs> saints. <clears throat> Almost choked when I said that. <clears throat> oh, seriously. And, and the truth of the matter is, I have never known of a person that didn't occasionally pick up a bad spirit. And aren't you glad that God would allow some loving comrade of yours or colleague of yours to pick up on this and, and, and maybe in a very discreet way, in an edifying way, talk to you about it. Well, we get bad attitudes, don't we? Somebody gets our seat in church. We don't like that, do we? You ever heard anybody get mad about their seat? Sure. See? So, so we, we get involved in all those kind of things, don't we? You know, what we need to do every now and then is just take and put the pulpit back there and turn all the seats around. Say everybody's been sitting on the front, it's going to sit on the back. you got the same seat, but you sit on the back. I mean, we just get possessive of things. And, we, you know, we, we, we get selfish about things. Oh, I love to talk about this. <clears throat> You, you follow what I'm saying. But see, this is all for edification. And if we understand it's all for edification, whenever we prophesy, even though sometimes we may prophesy about things that are horrible and things that are not so comforting, so to speak, that, that the underlying element should be that it's with love and even when we are exhorted, That there is comfort in knowing that Jesus does indeed love us. And that He cares for us. Now, a person that has, the person that is an alarmist, I got to talk about this. You know, my time's almost up. But uh, a person that is an alarmist, they get alarmed about everything. You know, oh. You know, and as a pastor, you, you can't believe how many people try to tell me what to do. You know, I have a lot of bosses. You know that. First it's God, and then it's... Mm, then it's... Mm, then it's... Mm, then it's... Mm, then it's... Mm. 
And then it's Sister Darlene. Then it's, <laughs> no, just joking. All right. <clears throat> I was supposed to say that. But, but you follow what I'm saying. You know, and I've thought many times, you know, I've had people come up, everything they don't like, and tell me about it. But now what if I went to them about everything I didn't like about them? And truthfully, I have more of a Bible reason than you have. But you know, well, usually what I do, I just smile and say, well, thanks for your concern. I just do what I want to do. I learned that from you. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm just telling, what, I'm telling you some of my secrets. No, but really, you know, the truth of the matter is, I have... Oh. Now, I've known of people just, the first little thing just shakes them, just, oh, just gets, they get alarmed, you know. And I've even, I've even had the opportunity to talk with, with some ministers going into the, into the, some men going into the ministry. One man says, boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I just got everybody together and I got a tape player. I said, we're going to tape this, we're going to send it to Brother Grant, and Brother Grant's going, I said, man, don't send that tape to me. What am I supposed to do? I said, you're going to come over here and straighten all this out, Brother Grant. Uh, don't look for me. <laughs> oh, my. He said, but we got about 15 or 20 people here, and they're all hot and hostile. I said, well, just let them kill off about half and let me come over and deal with half of them. <laughs> you know, I, I can't take big crowds like that. <laughs> <clears throat> I learned a long time ago. I stopped in lacrosse one time because I saw a man double up his fist and hit a woman beside the head and knock her over a rail. It was a cold night. It must have been 20 below, zero. I was going home, and I stopped the car, and I jumped out, and I ran out there. And this lady was getting up, and this man went and hit her again. And would you believe I ran over there and picked that lady up, and she jumped on me, and the man jumped on me? They both jumped on me. This lady said, this is a fair fight you got into it. You get back in that car. This is my husband, and I am able to defend myself. I've been living there for 20 years. I said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't think she was doing too good of a job, but evidently she thought she was. <clears throat> in other words, they both jumped on me. The same thing happened after I moved here to Madison. I was driving from Stoughton one night. I came up Highway 51. I saw a man stop right near McFarland. He, he had a body in his hand, and he threw this body out in a road ditch. And I said, Sister Grant, look at that. I mean, it scared me. You know, I slammed on the brakes. I went out. The guy was getting back in the car, and he saw me, so he decided not to drive away. And here was this woman in the road ditch. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know Greg Martin then. I couldn't call Greg Martin. You know, I just, what am I supposed to do? So I went over, and I knelt down, and I said, you, Are you okay? And she looked up and she called me by some other name. And, and, and so I, I said, my name is John Grant. And she came up from there. This guy came back there. She came up and, and this guy hit her and knocked her down again. And I thought, I've got to do something. I jumped in. I was trying to hold it. And both of them jumped on me. What it was, he had been drinking and she wasn't going to let him drive home. And he says, I can drive home. I don't know who drove home. But in both cases, I found a policeman. 
within a block, and I just notified them of what's going on. And what can happen sometimes, you can get right in the big middle of things. And, and, and you know, the focal point then is not on the problem. It's on you. See? It's on you. So <clears throat> all I'm saying is that, that I am seeking, the, to the best of my ability, to get people to feel comfortable in the house of God when mistakes are made that, uh, you know, I recognize a lot of mistakes. I don't just, you know, we've had mistakes in spiritual gifts, haven't we? Now, I want to say this, and I, I, I'm not casting any stones. Please understand, I respect our elders and leaders in the church, but like in Milwaukee, we had several times, and I know, I know what the problem was, but we had people stand up way over here and give a message, and somebody over here is giving a message, somebody over here is giving a message. And you see, the whole th- situation is that, that the regulations and the undergirding element is that they have to be operating with love because that removes all selfishness, see? See, love removes that selfish base. So it doesn't really make any difference who prophesies. It doesn't really make any difference who interprets. It doesn't make any difference who is used of God. You know, that's the way we feel. We'd be surprised how much could be accomplished for Jesus if we weren't so concerned about who gets credit. And so, and someone asked me, said, Brother Grant said, you know, you're one of our elders, you're on the general board, what, what should we do about this? I said, well, I'm not in charge of the services, but I know what I would do. And the reason why I know, because I've done it at camp. When things get out of bounds, rather than scare people, the Bible teaches us. Let a man esteem his brother higher than himself. And what we want to do is we want to let you know that this is a big, big auditorium. And if you're sitting way near the back and you want to prophesy and nobody can hear you but a select handful of people back there, you're just going to have to wait until God arranges a circumstance in which you can prophesy these people. But in this big arena, it's not going to happen that way. So what we need to do, if there's any prophecy, tongues and interpretation, for the sake of unity... And edification. Let's just let the elders on the platform do the prophesying and the interpreting. That's exactly what I do. Now in a camp meeting like ours where the auditorium's not so big, we've had four or five people at the same time. So hold it a minute. Let's everybody just stop. And I've gone right in the scripture. says, now this is what we need to do. Now don't anybody be afraid. And anybody that's here that feels that they were out of bounds as a result of what I'm saying, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want anyone to feel they can't be used of God in the future or perhaps even in the next moment or so. But we're human. And we're far we're far from being divine, but we're not far from the divine. See? And the best thing for us to do is don't be afraid. Because perfect love casteth out all fear. Now, we want God to use us. We want Him to talk to us. We want to be scripturally correct. We will make mistakes, but the whole game of life is correcting those when they do come. I've done that up at our camp. And so we'd have one message and another message and another message, and I said, okay. And we've had three, no more. 
Now let's wait for the interpretation. Now I know that some people, no doubt, feel that this 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 is too much regulated by physical man. But it's in the book. And if it's in the book, <clears throat> we can't be afraid of it. We shouldn't be afraid of it, that is. But what we want to do, we want, we want to see God move more in spiritual gifts than ever before. And truthfully, God is moving. We have uh, young people in the class have been teaching some of the bus kids Bible studies. Brother Andrew Cohn went over to Milwaukee this week and prayed his mother through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See? Isn't that great? Praise God. <clears throat> but we all have to understand that when when credit is given, that the credit should be equally shared with the entire body. You follow what I'm saying? Now I gotta tell you something. I was just downright proud, I say that in a spiritual sense, of Brother Manley this past weekend. I'm telling you, Sunday morning, he preached superbly. And Sunday night, he was greatly used of God. Now, we've got quite a few ministers in the church. Someone asked me, Brother Grant, do you ever feel threatened by having so many ministers in the church? Brother Rutherford, this man knows the Bible. You know, Brother Manley, such a great preacher. On the platform here is one of the best preachers you will find in the UPC, John Seidel. I'm serious. Well, I don't feel threatened. Why should I feel threatened? And I'm sure if I asked you your opinion, who do you think is the best preacher around here, that 90% of you would not name me. That's beside the point, though. The point is we're all in this together. This is not my game. It's not my show. It's not your game. It's not your show. Nobody is in the arena of life alone. We are a body. And we are connected together. And everything that we do and say while we're in the house of the Lord should be done. To unify. And to lift up and put us together. <clears throat> praise God. Praise God. And you know... <laughs> There are, there are many ways to turn off negative thoughts and ideas. People come and they, they share these things. You know, they just, we, because we're human, we, we, I don't know what it is. We just like to hear the bad things, don't we? You know, tell me all the bad things about the O.J. Simpson trial, you know. Just, you know, listen to all the bad things. We're kind of geared that way. But you see, you have to understand that we're in a different arena. We're in the church. Do you know the Bible says when one member suffers, we all suffer? Do you know that? When one man rejoices, we rejoice in the victory of another. Praise God. Praise God. You see, I have determined that in my lifetime and in my ministry, I must produce preachers 
that can do a better job than I can do. That's the only way I can be a winner. That's the only way I can be. Because I'm not going to save the whole world. But a collected effort, a joint effort of all of God's people will accomplish it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand. God is so good, isn't he? I sure do need you, brothers and sisters. We've got such beautiful, beautiful Christians here. I've been very, very serious with some of you and very lighthearted. It's a great fellowship. I walked in tonight. One of the first smiling faces I saw was Sister Michanda Fisher. I said, Sister Fisher, do you love to fish? She said, I love to fish. <clears throat> so, well, someone with a last name like that and didn't like to fish. Right, that would just be sad, wouldn't it? Right. Wouldn't that be sad? I'll tell you. You may have to get a tie like Brother Jeff's. Brother, Josh, Brother Jeff has this nice tie with these fish. Dolphins. But from the front to the back, who's important here? Everyone. Jesus even went to say it like this. He said, he that is chief among you is really servant of all. He that is greatest among you, let him be your minister. We're called into this not to be served, but to serve. To serve, to care. I just want you to know that you're very, very important to God. You're important to me. Because you see, I can't make it without the other parts of my body. I need you. The church needs you. And every last one of you. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know. Can we all get around the front? I don't know that we can. Let's come up here if we could. Why don't the ladies get on the side over here where Sister Grant is and the men over here. I just want the men to pray together, the ladies to pray together. You know, one thing about our revival, monthly revival prayer meetings, is that there's always that enhancement of unity, praying together, caring for each other. Oh, isn't God good? My. You know, life is so precious. I think I can say this without without embarrassing Brother Ted and Sister Carla. But today I had to talk with their son. And uh, Anthony uh, came up to me. And uh, he was crying. 
had said something he wasn't supposed to say. Sister Reinhardt marches him out. I said, you know, I have to appear, you know, I mean, I really have to appear mean for their sake, you know. What did you say? And and seriously, I'm telling you, I looked down and I could see I could see his mother and his dad both in his face. I'm serious with you. I said to myself, that's just like Sister Carla and, and Brother Ted. You know, and I wanted to just grab him and hug him, you know, just because these people are so precious. And there he was. Just a little child. And we're doing everything we can to just mold him and make him. You know. He came up to me tonight. His eyes were a little brighter. He says, I told my mom and dad like you told me I had to. Dad's going to talk to you. He kind of cut his eye. Brother Ted was walking through the door. And he thought to himself, I better get out of here because I don't want to be here when Brother Grant talks to Dad. He told Sister Grant and Sister Reinhardt said, I gotta tell my dad, and he will ground me for one year. <laughs> oh, he was dead serious. <clears throat> I don't recommend that. But 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 you know, you see this precious little life. Mom and dad blended together into this little child. Really? It's just, and, and you know what makes Calvary Gospel Church? It's really the blending together of all the personalities, of all the faiths, of all the talents, of all the abilities. Just put us all together. We can't all serve in the nursery. We can't all teach in the nursery class. We can't all teach in the youth class. We can't all go out on the bus route. We can't all go down on the campus. But we can all do our part. We can do our part. 